Psalm 110, just for the record, will be week 177, month 41, hour 121. Lord God, as always, please bless this recording, this study, this service. We thank you so much for allowing us to do this over the last three and a half years. It's been a tremendous blessing and uh, always look forward to preaching and teaching and unpacking yet another magnificent psalm we pray as always for your help to navigate through thy word to fill us with thy spirit to bless what we've done over the previous week and hope to do this coming week we ask you to cleanse us of all of our sins sins of omission sins of commission which no doubt we'll discuss this morning briefly and we thank you father god for giving us a perfect bible without fault or proven error please take control of the service this morning and allow us to get a great blessing as we break down this seven verse psalm we pray for this now in jesus name amen and amen, amen. so psalm 110 is quoted several times in the new testament it's a great passage dealing with the hypostatic union within the holy trinity and david is the author once again let's break it down verse one the lord said unto my lord sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. You've got two Jehovah's here found in the first verse. It starts with the Lord, definitive article. Said unto my Lord. So let's look at this more carefully. The Lord, uppercase lettering, so it's Jehovah. Said unto my Lord, lowercase Lord, so it's Jehovah said to Jehovah. Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool. There's a picture of a king conquering his people, or a king conquering his enemies, putting his feet up like a stool a footstool if you have a sofa you have a footstool right or if your sofa uh, goes back if it uh, reclines I think they call it reclining sofa the foot area comes out and it's very comfortable to put your feet up in the air go to uh, Matthew 20 I think it's Matthew 22 Matthew chapter 22 and uh, pick it up in verse 40, 41. While the Pharisees were gathered together, Jesus asked them, saying, What think ye of Christ? This is a question which will really trip them up. What do you think of Christ being anointed? Whose son is he? Going back to what's the name of the Son of God, found back in uh, Proverbs 30. They say unto him, the son of David. So that tells me straight away that during the first century, the Jews knew exactly who the Messiah was and whose son he was. Because if you speak to Jews today, they like to uh, move the goalposts and say, well, the belief that uh, the Messiah was the son of David, they accept that. But they say that uh, the belief that the son of David would be deity is questionable which of course is incorrect what think ye of Christ whose son is he they say unto him the son of David he saith unto them how then doth David in spirit now my bible the word spirit is lowercase s not sure what it is in your King James bible if you've got the Cambridge bible or the Oxford bible you may have a different uh, spelling there but I take this to be in reference to the Holy Spirit many times the Holy Spirit is found in a lowercase s not always with a capital S, uh, deciding of course the context, but if it's David's own spirit, 
doesn't really do just justice to the text. But if it's the Holy Ghost, it does great justice. We call this inspiration. David in spirit, call him Lord, saying, The Lord, uppercase, going back to Psalm 110, said unto my Lord, lower case, or lower capital, capital L, but the rest is lower case, sit thou on my right hand till I make thine enemies thy footstools, word for word, verbatim. If David then call him Lord, capital L, how is he a son? This goes back to the Oriental world. A king, even then, and even so to, to this day, doesn't have a lord. King Charles III doesn't have a lord. He's got two sons, but they're not his lord or lords. You go back to Nebuchadnezzar. He had sons, but not one of his sons was his lord. This is a great passage for Trinitarians, such as ourselves. Now, of course, if you're not a Trinitarian, if you are a oneness or modalist, it gets a bit tricky. If you are an Orthodox Jew, you struggle with this text because, of course, you know the implication here. And no man was able to answer him a word, neither durst any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. What does Paul say? Every mouth will be stopped and all the world will become guilty. That's a picture of the great white throne judgment when sinners are summoned to stand in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. And it'll be just terrifying to watch, terrifying to experience, to be privy to. And all the unsaved will be summoned to stand in his presence. And I'll say, but so what about those who never heard about you? Uh, what about those who never had your word or the usual excuses or those that will live uh, those that are born in Timbuktu or those that are born in the back end of China or this or that be no excuse of course because of course your conscience testifies against you and the word of God is written on your hearts that's the truth of the matter one more time what think you of Christ whose son is he they say unto him the son of David that is the truth he saith unto them, Why then doth David and spirits, under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, call him Lord, which you wouldn't do as an oriental king, saying, The Lord said unto my Lord Jehovah, said unto Jehovah, Sit thou on my right hand. Christ is the right hand man of the Lord, to make thine enemies thy footstool. If David then call him Lord, how is he a son? It's a tough question, isn't it? And they can't answer it. And no man, going back to 41, your Pharisees, experts in the law, so-called, no man was able to answer him a word. The mouth was shut. Neither durst, neither dead, any man from that day forth ask him any more questions. I would love to have seen that. Go back to Psalm 110. So, this goes back to what I said a few moments ago. We call this the hypostatic union within the Trinity. Father, Son, and Spirit are all spirits by definition and they speak they communicate together if you think of radio signals we can't uh, hear them but uh, we are aware that they are all around us you think of digital signals wi-fi for example shortwave fm am uh, television what do you call that terrestrial it's all around us i mean as of this morning i've probably got 15 16 17 18 19 20 signals going through my property right now and maybe you have as well or if you have satellite television was that 300 channels perhaps they're all going somewhere you can't see them you can't even feel them but they are there when the trinity get together they speak in ways that we can't comprehend let alone even uh able to hear i'm not even aware of how or exactly what it means to 
be in the presence of this level of communication where the God says the Holy Ghost intercedes for us with groanings which cannot be uttered 110 one again the Lord definite article said unto my Lord the Father said unto the Son the Father said unto David the less the Father said unto David the greater again for Trinitarian this is no big deal but if you're not a Trinitarian you've got the Father speaking to himself which is what modalism is or if you are a Jew you've got the Lord speaking to David and yet there's nobody that David can speak to who would be his Lord it gets it gets rather tricky the Lord said unto my Lord sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool go to Revelation chapter 9 look at uh, 16 and the number of the army of the horsemen were 200,000 thousand what is that 400,000 and if you substitute thousand for million which is what most expositors do you've got a huge army 400 million if that's the correct interpretation I'm not overly sure about that but believe it as it is 400,000 and I heard the number of them go to chapter 16 this incredible book which supplements Daniel very nicely and in chapter 16 look at verse 16 and he gathered them together into a place called the Hebrew tongue Armageddon being Megiddo for the final battle of all battles uh, jump over to chapter 19 15 and out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword scripture is a sharp sword double-edged sword that with it he should smite the nations all nations and he shall rule them with a rod of iron literal iron and he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness and wrath of almighty God he stamps them to death picture a horse or picture horses uh, going back to the previous passages from this particular chapter and we come out of heaven on horses verse 14 so picture a horseman on a horse and he's going at speed go to Zechariah and you've got all these people just being stamped and uh, stomped to death just uh, demolished basically and uh, you get a picture there of an awful horrific death up until recent times uh, combat was fought using horses the last time horses were used in the British Army was during the uh, Afghanistan campaign and uh, they were of the uh, opinion they could defeat the Taliban the uh, is it the Bora Bora Mountains from memory and you had the Americans the British and the Australians as well using horses to go after Al-Qaeda now it's all done with computers technology drones so on and so forth Zechariah 14 and uh, pick it up in 16 and it shall come to pass that everyone that is left of all the nations which came against Jerusalem shall even go up from year to year to worship the king capital K the Lord of hosts being Jehovah himself, uh, Jehovah himself and to keep the feast of tabernacles that's September through to October this is during the thousand year reign of course the feast days will return as will the animal sacrifices 17 it shall be that whoso are not come up of all the families of the earth unto Jerusalem there's your free will incidentally to worship the king 
Christ is the king of the Jews, the king of the world at this point in time. The Lord of hosts being armies, even upon them shall be no rain. Consequences for not coming up. 18. And if the family of Egypt, type of the world, go not up and come not, that have no rain, number one. There shall be the plague, number two, wherewith the Lord will smite the heathen, kill them, that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. This shall be the punishment of Egypt and the punishment of all nations that come not up to keep the feast of tabernacles. Go back to Psalm 110. That is still to come. And that's one of the reasons why we are pre-millennial. We are pre-tribulational. We are once saved, always saved. We are pre-millennial. A thousand year reign. 110, one again. The Lord said unto my Lord, David is writing this down under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost, found back in Matthew 22, 41 to 46. And he's seeing what takes place in the third heaven. That's what the prophets were privy to see. The Lord said unto my Lord, Father says unto the Son, sit thou, lesser David to some extent, but greater David to the ultimate sense, sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies thy footstool, which takes place like a sage in the thousand year reign. Two, the Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies. Scripture says thy rod and thy staff, they comfort me. Go to Isaiah chapter one and uh, pick it up in 26 and i will store thy judges as at the first millennial reign and thy counselors as at the beginning afterward thou shalt be called the city of righteousness the faithful city zion shall be redeemed with judgment and a converts with righteousness and the destruction of the transgressors and of the sinners shall be together and they that forsake the Lord shall be consumed there's your hell go back to Psalm 110 2 again the Lord uppercase Jehovah shall send the rod of thy strength elsewhere the term strength is found in Isaiah as well capital S Christ is the Lord's strength but here it's lowercase s the rod of thy strength out of Zion one reference Bible says Zion here is heavenly uh, heavenly Zion which is possible but I'm not really sure about that it's because of the colon rule thou in the midst of thine enemies there's no enemies in the heavenly Zion the enemies are on the earth go to Hebrews 12 Revelation 14 it could be what we call a double application which in that case go to Revelation 14 first uh, Zion is upstairs if you will and also downstairs heaven and hell oh, excuse me heaven and the earth what am I saying heaven and the earth of course he's lord of hell as well but in a different context revelation 14 1 and i looked and lo a lamb stood on the mount zion and with him an hundred and forty and four thousand having his father's name written in their foreheads that is of course his heavenly zion go to hebrews 12 and uh in hebrews 12 look at 22 but ye are come unto mount zion and unto the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem. That's pretty clear, isn't it? And to an innumerable company of angels. Too many to count. Go back to Psalm 110. Two, one final time. The Lord shall send the rod of thy strength out of Zion. Literal rod, a staff, a weapon. 
Rule thou in the midst of thine enemies, Christ on the throne, and uh, you won't dare give him a bad look at the second advent going into the thousand year reign. Verse 3 Thy people shall be willing in the day of thy power. God isn't willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. In the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning. Bit of uh, poetry there. From the womb of the morning, thou hast the dew of thy youth, moist, picturing freshness. Go to Isaiah 26 this time. Isaiah 26. Isaiah 26. And pick it up in uh, verse 8. Yea, in the way of thy judgments, O Lord, we have waited for thee. The desire of our soul is to thy name and to the remembrance of thee. 9. With my soul I have desired thee in the night. Yea, with my spirit within me will I seek thee early. For when thy judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants of the world will learn righteousness. Go to Hosea chapter... I think it's six. Hosea six. Yeah, Hosea six. Like uh, verses one down to three. Come, let us return unto the Lord. Come now, come now, let us reason together, saith the Lord. Come unto me, all you heavy and laden, and I'll give you a rest, so on and so forth. Come, there's your invitation. Last, uh, that's found last also in the book of Revelation. Come. Take the water of life freely. Come, invitation. Let us return unto the Lord. Picture the Jews coming back to him. He hath torn. He will heal us. He hath smitten. He will bind us up. After two days will he revive us. In the third day he will raise us up. We shall live in his sight. Then shall we know if we follow on to know the Lord. You my disciples if you uh, continue on in my word. His going forth is prepared as the morning. And he shall come unto us as the rain, as the latter and former rain unto the earth after a period of drought, going back to the days of Elijah, go back to the 110th Psalm. So you've got a 3,000 year period there found in Hosea chapter 6. Of course, the third and final millennium is the millennial reign of Christ. Three, uh, three days picturing three millenniums three millennia three millenniums what am I saying three millenniums Psalm 110 please Psalm 110 and uh, three again thy people in the context of the Jews shall be willing in the day of thy power they'll be uh, waving their flags and their banners in the beauties of holiness from the womb of the morning going back to Hosea 3 thou hast a dew of thy youth Scripture says, even so come, Lord Jesus. He was cut down in his prime, 33 and a half. A verse 4. The Lord hath sworn and will not repent, though art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The term repent is, found, is first found in, I think it's Genesis chapter 6. This is how the Lord repented himself, that he put man on the face of the earth. The term repent means to be fully persuaded, to change your mind. If you say this, that you have to repent of all of your sins to be saved, why are you still repenting of your sins after you are saved? If you are an Arminian, you don't believe once saved, always saved. So for you, you are always repenting 
every moment of every day in fear of losing your salvation. That's the power the JWs have over their own people. The great fear for them is Armageddon will come. And if we're not ready, we'll be consumed and uh, just be destroyed forever, basically. That's the false belief of the Jehovah's Witnesses. The Lord hath sworn, he's promised, and will not repent. He won't change his mind. That's what the term repent means, to be fully persuaded that you are a sinner, that you can't save yourself, that you deserve to go to hell forever, that Christ has paid for your sins, and if you believe on him, if you receive him, there's your blood atonement, you are saved. You are forever safe in the beloved. Thou art a priest, and I mean a priest forever, after the order of Melchizedek. Go to Genesis chapter 14. Melchizedek is found nine times in the New Testament. Twice in the old. And very few people can tell you much about this mystery man, including yours truly. Genesis 14, let's pick it up in 18. And Melchizedek, king of Salem. Salem being peace, Salem is what the Muslims say, Salem, Salem. That's Arabic for peace, king of peace. Brought forth bread and wine, that's our communion. And he was the priest of the Most High God. The Most High. Nobody's above the Most High. And he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies, there's our word, into thy hand. And he gave him tithes of all. There's your tithing, incidentally. Which takes place before the law. Interesting. And the king of Sodom said unto Abram, Give me the persons and take the goods for thyself. Abram said to the king of Sodom, I have lifted up my hand unto the Lord, the most high, the possessor of heaven and earth, that I will not take from a thread even to a shoe latchet, and that I will not take anything that is thine, lest thou shouldest say, I have made Abram rich, so on and so forth. But go back to verse 18. Melchizedek, king of Salem, king of peace, brought forth bread and wine, and he was a priest of the most high God. And he blessed him and said, uh, and he blessed him and said, Blessed be Abram, later becomes Abraham. Blessed be Abram of the Most High God, possessor of heaven and earth. And blessed be the Most High God, which hath delivered thine enemies into thy hand, and he gave him tithes of all. Go to Hebrews chapter 7. Hebrews chapter seven and uh, let's pick it up in uh, verse uh, verse one for this Melchizedek spelt slightly different king of Salem priest of the most high God whom Abraham returning from the slaughter of the kings and blessed him to whom, uh, to whom also Abraham gave a tenth part of all there's your tenth there's your tithe a tenth first being by interpretation king of righteousness capital K and after that also king of Salem, capital K, which is king of peace. Jerusalem, city of peace. Without father, without mother, without descent, having neither beginning of days, nor end of life, but made like unto the Son of God. Abideth a priest continually. Let's break this down. Two. Make it three, in fact. Without father, or Christ had a father in heaven, of course, but no biological father, Without mother, his mother was Mary. Without descent, well, Matthew and uh, Luke, tracing back to Abraham and Adam. 
nigh the beginning of days when he was born around 4 BC nor end of life he died around what 30 AD but made like unto the son of God this will be thrown at you if you do any apologetical work by Muslims and others abide the priest continually so it's like this they say uh, you look just like such and such but you're not that person are you but you look like that person so this mystery man Melchizedek is like the son of God doesn't have a father doesn't have a mother has no descent no beginning of days no end of life so it's like this basically there's no written record of his beginning or ending of life he was obviously born and he obviously died but he's like the son of God he's a type and he abides a priest forever and verse 4 now consider how great this man was so he is a man unto whom even the patriarch Abraham gave the tenth of the spoils 10% found in most churches today if you join a church they say you have to tithe 10% you get that from Genesis 14 before the law during the law and found here after the law and verily they that of the sons of Levi there's a priesthood who receive the office of the priesthood have a commandment a commandment compulsory to take tithes of the people according to the law the law that is of their brethren that they come out to the loins of Abraham but he whose descent is not counted from them received tithes of Abraham and blessed him that had the promises and without all contradiction the less is blessed of the better and here men that die receive tithes but there he receiveth them of whom it is witness that he liveth six times the word tithe is found nine and as I may so say Levi also who received tithes paid tithes in Abraham seven times in fact for he was yet in the loins of his father when Melchizedek met him if therefore if therefore perfection were by the Levitical priesthood for under it the people received the law what further need was there that another priest should rise after the order of Melchizedek and not be called after the order of Aaron for the priesthood being changed there was made of necessity a change also of the law this is why Paul probably wrote this book it's very <laughs> deep it's very legal for he of whom these things were spoken pertaineth to another tribe of which no man gave attendance at the altar for it is evident that our Lord sprang out of Judah of which tribe Moses spake nothing concerning priesthood and it is yet far more evident for that after the similitude of Melchizedek that ariseth another priest who is made not after the law of a carnal commandment worldly commandment like a man-made commandment but after the power of an endless life Christ doesn't die of course he testifieth thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek which incidentally is non-transferable so that goes against the Mormon belief and other false religions they steal the Aaronic priesthood and the Melchizedek priesthood for their own priest system which you cannot do 18 for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment given excuse me for there is verily a disannulling of the commandment going before for the weakness and profitableness thereof for the law made nothing perfect but the bringing in of a better hope did the blessed hope of course by the which we draw nigh unto God and inasmuch as not without an oath he was made priest for those priests were made without an oath but this with an oath by him that said unto him the Lord swear and will not repent Psalm 110 though had a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek by so much was Jesus made a surety of a better testament go back to Psalm 110 so Melchizedek just for the record was a man and would have had a 
literal mother, literal father, of course. But uh, there's no written record of his genealogy, unlike the Lord Jesus Christ. And like I say, Matthew and Luke tracing back to Adam and Abraham. Mark uh, gives just slightly condensed accounts of the Lord Jesus Christ. It goes straight into it. John tracing them back to God the Father, of course. Psalm 110. Uh, for again, the Lord hath sworn, Jehovah hath sworn, and will not repent. Won't go back on his word. Thou art a priest forever. Can't be David. He's long dead and buried, of course. And uh, his seed also never came back from the uh, Babylonian captivity. You got one king found in uh, Jeremiah. And the Lord said, I'm going to cut your name down. Take the J off, being Jehovah. I think it's Kaniah for memory. And uh, Kaniah, uh, his seed is basically stunted. There's no possibility of him producing seed to rule and reign in the future. And that was done to shut down the line of David due to their sin. And that's why the virgin birth has to be biblical. Because Christ has to come from the loins of David. He can't come physically because the line is cursed. He comes through the virgin birth. Going back to Mary and Joseph being the line of King David, of course. The Lord hath sworn found in verse 1 verse 2 again in verse 4 Jehovah has sworn and will not repent thou art a priest forever greater David after the order of Melchizedek found back in Genesis 14 type of the Lord Jesus Christ 5 the Lord lowercase l capital l but the rest is lowercase the Lord at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath so now it's Jesus Christ in the context what does Shakespeare say he that strikes the king must kill him the Lord at the right hand at thy right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath go back to Revelation this time pick it up in chapter 6 so if the Lord this time capital L lowercase o-r-d is in reference to uh, Solomon you got a problem of course because his reign was limited like I say, all the kings after Solomon started to drop off in longevity. But uh, due to the Lord's blessing on the Lord Jesus Christ, he will rule forever. What did I say? Uh, Revelation 6. Revelation 6. Mm, let's see now. Revelation 6. And... Uh, in fact, go to 17 first. We'll come back to 6. Uh, 17, please. It's all good. It's all good. Uh, Revelation, Revelation 17. 17, 12. And the ten horns which thou sawest are ten kings, which have received no kingdom as yet, but received power as kings, one hour with the beast. I'll go to chapter 6. Six. Yeah, six twelve. And I beheld, when he had opened the sixth seal, and lo, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth of hair, and the moon became as blood, and the stars of heaven fell unto the earth, even as a fig tree casteth her untimely figs, when she is shaken of a mighty wind. And the heaven departed as a, as a scroll, when it is rolled together, 
and every mountain island were moved out of their places and the kings of the earth and the great men and the rich men and the chief captains and the mighty men and every bondman and every free man hid themselves in the dens and in the rocks of the mountains and said to the mountains and rocks fall on us and hide us from the face of them that sit on the throne and from the wrath wrath anger of the lord for the great day of his wrath is come and who shall be able to stand this also goes back to the mark of the beast uh, you got uh, great men rich men chief captains mighty men bondmen free men hid themselves in the dens and the rocks of the mountains they got money of course to hide away let's go back to chapter 13 quickly in this particular book we discussed I think the week before last the mark of the beast which can't be long now until they roll it out and uh, look at uh, 13 16 he causeth all both small and great rich and poor free and bond as everyone to receive a mark in their right hand not on in or in their foreheads not on that no man might buy or sell save except he that had the mark or the name of the beast or the number of his name go back to psalm 110 so you got a picture here of christ at the second advent matthew 25 he judges the sheep and the goats the sheep are saved the goats are not and uh, those that survive the tribulation go into the thousand year reign they repopulate reproduce their children are born to them and they have to walk a very fine line with the lord jesus christ 110 five again the lord at thy right hand so the son at the father's right hand shall strike through kings in the day of his wrath he'll kill kings he will cut them down found in revelation 17 and also six six he shall judge among the heathen he shall fill the places with the dead bodies he shall wound the heads over many countries we say he's a head of state she's a head of state go back to revelation this time chapter 13 light verse 3 and i saw one of his heads as it were wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed and all the world wandered after the beast there's many different interpretations to this if you follow replacement theology if you if you follow uh, the historical position uh, the, the historical position teaches that throughout church history revelation has been unfolding and they teach this in reference to the uh, roman empire coming back in the 19th century i forget which pope it was and uh, when he came back after a period of absence they believe that's the point that revelation 13 3 was fulfilled the premillennial position is that the antichrist has one of his heads wounded like he's governor he's, he's governed over the world during this period and the head pictures his symbolic authority over the world and after it's been wounded to death so it comes back to life which is a counterfeit of christ of course come back after after dying his deadly wound was healed and all the world wandered after the beast they wandered after him they were bewildered with him revelation says uh, john looked with uh, one he was bemused he was uh let's go to chapter 17 quickly 
and 17 uh, it says he marveled in verse 7 uh, bemused basically at this beast which of course is papal Rome it wasn't uh, pagan Rome it was papal Rome but in 13 3 and I saw one of his heads one of his heads there's more than one wounded to death and his deadly wound was healed somehow and all the world wandered after the beast I don't think that goes back to the 19th century when uh, maybe in Leo in fact Pope Leo the 6th or 13th, 13th uh, came back onto the, the world stage I don't think so but there are some who hold to that position I think Charles Spurgeon held to that position but that doesn't really sit uh, very well with me all the world wanted after the beast which you also find in chapter 11 uh, how all those how all that dwell upon the earth verse 10 rejoice over them make merry send gifts one to another because these two prophets tormented them that dwell on the earth so all the world get a kick out of the fact that uh, these two prophets are killed and verse 11 God brings back to life so the whole world see that which can take place today due to modern technology and 13.3 uh, will be in reference to all the world seeing the beast come back from the dead back from death which of course is the counterfeit of Christ go back to Psalm 110 6 again he saw a judge among the heathen partly found in Matthew 25 like I say but mostly in reference to the thousand year reign he shall fill the places with the dead bodies what about that dead bodies meek and mild Jesus see the average person doesn't know who Jesus Christ even was or is he shall wound the heads over many countries just take out heads of state UK US EU gone China Russia Japan Singapore, Malaysia, Philippines, gone. Poland, Portugal, I don't know, uh, Ukraine, Hungary, Czech Republic, Southern Ireland, just gone. This is a future period which is still to take place. And people are terrified to discuss this. Or they just ignore it altogether. Seven, he shall drink of the brook in the way. A brook going back to like a stream a river of water going back to Christ being a lamb at the first advent drinking from the brook a lion at the second advent drinking from the brook if you will therefore she lift up the head go back to uh, Revelation please let's keep drilling into this very small but very rich psalm which was sung originally and is or was penned to praise the Lord but uh, there's I think one two three there's four applications when it comes to the scripture there's a spiritual application there's a doctrinal application there's a historical application there's a prophetical application uh, Revelation 14 20 and the wine press was trodden without the city outside the city and blood came out of the wine press even unto the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs so again it's a picture of Christ on the horse followed by horses 
just stamping, stomping people to death, basically just running over people, just uh, demolishing people. When he comes down from heaven, there's no chance, there's no way to escape this. Wine press trodden without the city, blood came out of the wine press. Uh, the original context here is a pitch of grapes in a huge container if I understand this correctly and uh, you get into this big container take your shoes and socks off obviously and you stamp on the uh, the grapes yeah. to get the juice out of the grapes crush the grapes, crush the grapes with your feet and that is used for wine and it's also used for uh, other means as well but here is in, is in reference to the judgment uh, the horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. I'm not sure what it is in modern English. You got that in your Bible at all? No, no okay. A thousand six hundred furlongs. Go to chapter 19. 19, uh, I saw an angel standing in the sun. Now, when it comes to the Bible, you have one or two ways to interpret this. We call this uh, hermen hermeneutics. The first way is take a passage literally, if it can be taken literally. The second way is if it can't be taken literally, you have to spiritualize it. So an angel is a spiritual being. An angel can speak, can sleep, can also eat. So an angel standing in the sun is possible. It won't, he won't burn up, it won't burn up. Of course, angels are mostly male, you understand. I saw an angel standing in the sun and he cried with a loud voice, saying to all the fowls that fly in the midst of heaven, what are these fowls? They're unclean spirits, of course. They're birds, they're both. Come and gather yourselves together under the supper of the great God. You've got different birds that uh, will circle over your head. And uh, those vultures uh, will wait for you to die. In fact, they can even tell when you are dying. You watch the old uh, westerns, the old spaghetti westerns the old black and white western movies they always have these scenes in the old western movies the old family on the wagon and they're going across the US and uh, uncle's sick or grandpa's sick or the young boy's dying or the young girl has got scarlet fever and they pull over to take take uh, take care of the child get the old flannel you know, on the forehead to bring the fever down no paracetamol in those, in those days of course and the boy's dying the father's dying and the birds know it they know it they start to circle above and uh, it's terrifying if you are a parent trying to stop your beloved from dying, of course. That you may eat the flesh of kings and the flesh of captains and the flesh of mighty men. Going back to the previous chapters. And the flesh of horses. And of them that sit on them. And the flesh of all men, both free and bond, both small and great. It's word for word, isn't it? From chapter 13, Mark of the Beast. And I saw the beast, 19, and the kings of the earth and their armies gathered together to make war with him that sat on the horse and against his army, being reference to Jesus Christ, of course. And the beast was taken and with him the false prophet that wrought miracles before him, which, with which he deceived them that had received the mark of the beast and them that worshipped his image. These both were cast alive in the lake of fire burning with brimstone. Go to Jeremiah 30, 31. Jeremiah 31. So the good news is this, that if you are saved, you will never take the mark of the beast. Because those that take it were never saved to start with, which I've shown you many times over recent weeks and months. 
those that take it were never saved to start with. Matthew 7 says, Many will say to me that day, Lord, Lord. And he says, I never knew you. I never knew you. Not I once knew you. And uh, you got into a particular way of life and never straightened up. No, I never knew you. You were never saved to start with. So you can't use that passage to terrorize people into the belief they can lose their salvation. Those people were never saved to start with. Jeremiah 31. Jeremiah 31 and uh, look at verse 14 and the whole valley of the dead bodies and of the ashes and all the fields under the brook Kidron brook of Kidron our word again brook brook of Kidron this goes back to when David was running from Absalom we spent a couple of weeks looking at that recently and uh, I think in that part of Jerusalem today there's a river there a small river hasn't changed of course unto unto the corner of the horse gate toward the east shall be holy unto the Lord it shall not be plucked up nor thrown down any more forever so again dead bodies are found in verse 40 you've got uh, fields also under the brook of Kidron which is uh, east of Jerusalem holy unto the Lord it should not be plucked up nor thrown down anymore forever a lot of blood a lot of gore a lot of history in that part of Israel going back to Christ going back to Samaj and Templis drinking uh, of the brook in the way 110 verse 7 therefore she lift up the head what did David do to Goliath cut his head off didn't he and he held it up high for all to see we call this types and shadows many types and shadows in the scripture pointing back to what's going to come down the line joseph good example his brethren sell him out he comes back at the second advent uh david runs from his family comes back at the second advent okay i've got a footnote here now in revelation thank you in revelation uh 19 i go back there quickly i've got a I got it, I got it. Revelation 19, when Christ comes back on a horse, we come with him as, as well. This is literal, like I say. If it can be literal, it's taken literally. If it can't, okay, fine. Uh, I'll give you a good example. Uh, you men out there, let's, let's broaden it. You men and women out there, that. Uh, let's do Revelation 19 first. Let's, let's stay on track here. Revelation 19, Revelation uh, 19, where's it gone? Oops. I got it, okay. Oh, thanks. Hundred and nineteen, please. I'll pull all these verses together and we'll close. Hundred and nineteen. Excuse me, uh, Psalm nineteen, what am I saying? Psalm nineteen. And uh, Was it 19? Revelation. 17. 17. 17. 17. 17. 20. Thank you. Uh, There's no 1720. There's my place here. Sorry. Uh, Sorry. 1520. 1520. 1520. <laughs> I love live recordings. <laughs> There's no 1520. 1420. Uh, yeah thank you yeah. uh 
Okay, 1420, let's break this down. Wine press was trodden without the city, we discussed that, and blood came out of the wine press, even unto horse bridles by the space of a thousand and six hundred furlongs. That's 184 miles. Thank you, Dad. 184 miles. So you've got a picture here of Christ at the second advent coming back. Uh, Megiddo, Armageddon, that part of the world. And as he comes back, he's going to just trod on people and the blood will fill an area of, a, uh, uh, will fill an area of 184 miles. Now I take that to be literal. I don't spiritualize that. Some people will do that because it's very gory. It's very graphic. It's uh, pretty heavy. I get that. And this is a side of Christ that most people don't know anything about, basically. Go back to Psalm 110 and let's try and close this. So, like I say, you can take a passage literally or spiritually. I always take the Bible literally. But when you get to parts of... Uh, the Gospels, for example, Christ speaks about lusting in Matthew 5 and also in Mark, uh, Mark chapter 9. And he says, cut your hand off, pluck out your eye, cut your feet off as well. If you can't control where you go and what you do. Uh, for me, that's spiritual. I don't take that physically or literally because, of course, that won't stop you lusting. Uh, John 6, another good example. The Catholics say, uh, eat my flesh drink my blood that can't be literal because of course christ wasn't even dead he was alive but even if he was alive excuse me, even, even if he was dead and you were to cut him up and start to drink his blood and eat his flesh what would it profit you the flesh profits nothing it is spirit that of course uh gives life so the best way to handle these passages is to take them literally if you can and if you can't you spiritualize them but 110 7 he shall drink of the brook in the way going back to when David the Less was running from Absalom and uh, turned around to David the Greater not running from uh, Judas, type of the Antichrist but Judas was in pursuit, if you will, of David the Greater therefore should he lift up the head David did that with Goliath the Greater David will do that with the Antichrist and also the false prophet he'll also kill all the kings on the earth that go against him but one final thought, going back to drinking from the brook. Animals drink from the brook. Christ was a lamb, he was a lion. Uh, the serpent, being the devil, is referred to as a cherub. And uh, Christ is also referred to as an angel of light. Go to Revelation 5, just very briefly. And in Revelation 5, we've got a picture here of the third heaven. And I just wonder, and I won't say this as a fact, but I just wonder in glory if the Lord Jesus Christ... Uh, will somehow be pictured not only as the Son of God with his pierced uh, with his pierced hands and feet in fact we counted last week the five pierced five puncture marks on his body his back his head his hands his feet and his uh, side of course they pierce him in five areas because of course uh, five is the number of death in scripture but I wonder just a theory uh, if we're going to see a sort of shape shifting in, in, in glory mm. Revelation 5 uh, let's see now 5 let's see now uh, 5 5 5 weep not behold the line of the tribe of Judah the root of David hath prevailed to open the book and to loose these seven seals thereof 6 uh, verse 6 yep and I beheld and lo in the midst of the throne and of the four beasts see again it's beasts, it's animals which we'll discuss more when we get to Daniel 5 
and 6 and 7. I beheld alone in the midst of the throne of the four beasts, and in the midst of the elders stood a lamb, as it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent forth into all the earth. Going back to the Lord manifesting himself in multiple ways, in a way that we cannot comprehend. And he came to the book out to the right hand of him that sat upon the throne. Uh, verse 8 The four beasts and four and twenty elders fell down before the Lamb, having every one of them harps and golden vials full of odors, which are the prayers of the saints. Uh, 7 Many angels ran about the throne and the beasts and the elders. And uh, 12 Worthy is the Lamb that was slain to receive power and riches, wisdom and strength, and honor, so on and so forth. And uh, 13 Power be unto him that sitteth upon the throne and unto the Lamb forever and ever. 14. The four beasts said, Amen. And the four and twenty elders fell down and worshipped him that liveth forever and ever. So I just wonder, in eternity, we're going to see Christ as a man first and foremost. I do believe that. Son of David with a crown in his head, absolutely. But I just wonder, I just wonder if we're going to see the Lord pictured as a lamb and also as a lion shape-shifting in a sense uh, it's hard to really comprehend this because of course you're dealing with the supernatural but uh, Revelation 5 pictures him as a lamb which of course was his, was, was his first coming of course elsewhere as a lion from the tribe of Judah of course and I think also what we just missed out very briefly uh, from Psalm 110 please excuse me Psalm 110, just uh, one thing we didn't cover. Uh, in this particular psalm, uh, seven verses, you've got a reference also in, uh, maybe in Revelation, Jimmy, Isaiah. Isaiah 20, it was 26 actually. It's elsewhere. Uh, I'll write down this morning. No, I think we'll leave it there actually. But I had another verse in mind going back to the first and the last, the Alpha and the Omega. Now we'll close it there anyway, and uh, if it comes back to me, we'll put it back on, we'll put it on tape next week. But I think we'll close it there because it gets quite complicated trying to work out the exact path of the roots or the path of the roots that the Lord will take at the second advent and how exactly this all pans out. But as I see it, I think it's quite possible that uh, you're going to see at least three dimensions to the Lord Jesus Christ uh, in a way that we don't quite understand. Which also feeds back into uh, paganism, antiquity, going back to half man, half beast. See, these are all crude counterfeits of the Word of God, uh, going back to the leaders of the world being betrayed, picture of Christ being betrayed by Judas. But we'll close it there anyway and come in next week, and I'll get those uh, verses down that I couldn't find this morning.